Hello and welcome to Hello Governor of the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah and my guest today is, introduce yourself. My name is Valeria Rodriguez. I am a voice actor from Mexico and I'm very happy to be here. So first question is the obvious one. How did you get started? Okay. Um, basically, uh, I, I, I always had a passion for, you know, kind of performing and, and the arts in general. And I really wanted to be a voice actor when I was really young. And I kind of just did a quick Google search and pretty much every interview that I saw uh, said that they took theater first and like acting classes and all that stuff. So I dug way into theater. Um, I fell in love with theater and I'm a singer, I'm a musician, so I love music. And I kind of fell in love with musical theater. And then for a long while, I actually forgot about that initial kind of dream or goal of wanting to be a voice actor and I was fully chasing that sort of theater kid dream um it wasn't until I watched an episode of uh Critical Role which you know uh, for those who don't know is a Dungeons and Dragons game uh with a bunch of voice actors but I kind of remembered I wanted to be a voice actor um there was a convention in my town and one of my favorite voice actors, Matthew Mercer, was going, and so I was just going to go as a fan to go and meet him. Uh, what ended up happening is that I met my current mentor. Um, he kind of, like, discovered me there, um, and he told me that if I was ever in L.A. to hit him up. And so I moved to L.A. not long after. I hit him up. And he had me, you know, begin to sit in on voiceover sessions just to learn and just to watch. Um, and it was kind of like that for an entire year. He sent me, I think, two or three auditions during that time. I didn't book any of them. And then I just kind of continued taking classes and learning and kind of being under his wing. And eventually I met my agent. And then I got with my agency. I started auditioning with them for a whole year. Again, nothing. Didn't book a single thing. And then I think it wasn't until my second year with my agency that I finally booked my very first video game, and that was Smite. And then from there, I just kept going. And what do you love and hate about what you do? What do I love and hate about it? Um, I love that we can play whatever we want uh, without, you know, regards to what we look like or, you know, our heights or anything like that. Like, for example, I'm 5'4", so I'm not very tall. Uh, so in real life, I probably wouldn't be able to play an orc or, you know, something like big and tough. But in voiceover, I am allowed that opportunity so long as I can, you know, do those kind of deeper voices and that kind of thing. Um, so I do love that there's that kind of, there's a lot of freedom to play um, and kind of do what you want. I've had a couple sessions where they just let me loose and they let me read the lines as I like to. And it's it's really fun. It's like playing pretend again. Um, as far as what I don't like... Uh, I don't know that there, I don't know that there is very much. It's a pretty sweet gig. Um, I think just like with any profession, um, just watching out for folks who are, uh, perhaps let the, uh, attention get a little bit to their heads. But for the most part, we have a really solid community. I'd say like 99.9% .9 of voice actors are all very sweet and humble and nice people. How did you get involved in Genshin? Um... It's, it's, it'll be the same story as everyone, I would assume. Um, we all receive an audition in our inbox, and it's got a code name. And we see a picture, maybe, of what they look like, and we're like, just like with any audition, we're like, oh, okay, cool. And then you do the audition, you send it off, and it isn't until you book it that you're like, oh, this is a huge video game. Um, I had been auditioning for the Genshin Project for, I think, over a year. Um, just auditioning for different characters and it, like I like I said before it wasn't until my second year when I started booking and that was when I had booked Sucrose um, and I had no idea that that was the game that I was auditioning for um, and, and yeah it, it isn't really until projects come out that you are like oh this is a big deal because in the audition they've got all these code names and sometimes they'll have dummy sides where it's like lines that the character doesn't actually say and that sort of thing so really how i got involved in it was just i just auditioned as per usual and i kind of got lucky and i booked that big game 
I mean, you say audition, but I think the only Genshin actor that I talked to that didn't audition was uh, Keith Silverstein. He was actually called up to do. Um, oh. He was called. It was. It was funny. It was just a random phone call. He was just driving one day. He gets a random phone call. He's like, "Hey, Keith, we need you in the studio for something." And he's like, "Okay." And <laughs> they specifically wanted him because he had played a character in Bleach. Mm-hmm. And they they played that reference for him, and, he, and they said like we want this voice for this character, and he's like okay, and he had no idea what it was. <laughs> there you that's, go. Yeah, I mean that's how it is. And for if you're you know kind of a bigger deal, Keith Silverstein is a huge deal. You will get like just called in to do video games, and I yeah like I imagine like you said for him it was the same thing. I I have no idea what this is, and then it comes out, and you're like oh okay. Um, so if you're a bigger deal, definitely get called in. But for us smaller ones, we just audition. And did you did they give you a picture of the character or was it just a vague description? You know what I think for this one I think they did, um, because yeah I distinctly remember looking at the picture and kind of creating the voice in my head and being like I think I think this is what she might sound like, and I kind of just went with my gut, uh, mostly based on the picture. Usually they'll have like a really big spec, which is like. You know, she has a sweet voice and she's friendly and they'll kind of completely describe the character. But if it has an image attached, I usually throw all that to the wayside and then I look at the image and then I make the voice based on that. And it usually works out. And uh, I, I would imagine like um, seeing a picture of the character look, looks like and her having glasses that you would assume like, oh, she's obviously smart. So she would use a lot of big words. And I'm wondering, like, did you look up like scientific <laughs> meanings of words? Um. I don't, I can't remember if there were any, um, any big words in the auditions, in the audition sides. Uh, what I will say is that in session, she'll be saying these huge words, and I'm like, surely the copywriters made this up. Like, there's no way that, what are you talking about? And most of the time, it is a real word, uh, but sometimes it'll be something that's, like, specific to Genshin. I know one of the things that Sucrose always talks about is the tetratanic sweet flower, which isn't a real thing. Uh, but for the most part, she does just use big words, and I have to ask in session what it means, because I'm not that smart. So, you know. It's funny, because when I saw a picture of her for the first time, I'm like, she reminds me so much of Velma from Scooby-Doo, and yes, I don't know why. <laughs> I would say, yeah, it's definitely she's definitely got Velma vibes. I think I, I definitely channel that sort of, like, push up, pushes up the glasses uh nerdiness for her which i do i have glasses that are just like hers <laughs> so perfect casting right there <laughs> yeah there you go and what are some of your favorite genshin lines some of my favorite genshin lines um everyone always asks me this and the truth of the matter is um i thankfully i'm like very grateful for it i work so much in other different projects that most of the time i don't remember the last session that i did uh, but i do remember one line of hers that i like um and it's like someone notices her like fluffy ears. Did you, I don't know if you want me to do it in the actual voice. Uh, no, go ahead. <laughs> okay, all right. I'm not warmed up, as you can hear, I'm very crackly. <clears throat> I'm so gross, research. Oh, you, um, noticed. My ears are a hereditary feature, quite different from everyone else's, so I try to hide them with my hair as much as possible. That's one of my favorite lines, because I think her ears are fluffy and very cute. That that was really adorable, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. It took all the focus in the world to channel that. My, my natural voice is kind of sits lower and it's got that crackle, so I'm like trying to focus it and make it very cute. Is it hard maintaining that voice for like uh, an average session? Yeah. Um, well, most se- like a long, for me, a long session is four hours, but honestly, that, that's a regular session, like a long set, you know, a regular length session. Um... If I, if I hop in for like a two hour session with them, I'm usually fine. But my very first session recording for Sucrose, which is where we recorded the brunt of like all her lines, that was four hours. And she has a really breathy voice. So by the end of the session, um, I was dizzy and the room was like spinning just a little bit. And I felt like I was gonna pass out. And I told, I told my agent um, that I almost like passed out. And she got very angry at me. I was like, I was trying to be professional. I like didn't want to ask for a break. And she was like, you're being unprofessional by not asking for a break. So now I know. Um, because she was like one of the first things that I booked. I was still like big, bright eyes, very naive, very like nervous. 
um, and anxious and very anxious to please. So I was really scared to ask for a break, but you know, now I know better. Um, but yeah, it's for a long, if it's for a long time, she's very breathy. I start running out of breath and it's, it's definitely difficult for me. I know it'd be easier for, you know, a lot of other like female voice actors, but because my voice sits so low, I kind of have to really focus in and make sure my crackles and all that stuff doesn't show through. Do you feel like having a low voice um, limits what, what type of roles you can audition for? No, I think, I mean, I'm not saying this to toot my own horn. Um, I feel like I have a pretty good range. Um, it just it just takes more focus for me to do those kind of high-pitched and girly voices. Um, and most of the time when I get like an audition that's super-duper high-pitched and it's like a long audition and I know it would be a difficult character for me to play, I'll usually avoid going out for it. Um, so I tend to go out mostly for things that I'm like, if I booked this, I could do a really great job and it, I won't be struggling, you know, the whole session because I also don't want to make the client's job harder by like having them like, you know, make me repeat stuff a bunch. Um, every now and again, if I like really like a character and I know they're going to be high pitched, I'll, I'll go out for them. Um, I mean, it makes it, it makes it a tiny bit harder, but I, it's, it's like regular, you know, regular stuff that actors have to go through. And um, how did you get involved in Cookie Run? Cookie Run Kingdom. Um, same thing. I got an audition for um, what I thought was going to be like a AAA video game, like cinematic, like Naughty Dog, The Last of Us. I was like, this this game is, you know, pretty intense. Um, and then I got told it was Cookie Run, and I was like, what's Cookie Run? And then I got shown, like, the art, and I was like, oh, it's not at all what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> because the sides... Uh, we didn't get any art. We didn't get told that they were cookies. It was just basically like the description was, oh goodness, I can't even remember the description for my character. Um, I know for Annalisa Fisher's uh, character, she plays um, she plays Snow Sugar Cookie. Uh, um, she got sides that were like, this character is an orphan and they've been, you know, walking through the forest for a long time. They're so alone and they're hungry and the sides were really grounded and like sad, cinematic and dramatic. Um, and then it's we find out it's Cookie Run and it's like this cute little, you know, cartoon kind of game. But that's pretty much pretty much the same thing for me. I, I thought it was something completely different. Um, and actually when I got to the session, they had me change the voice quite a bit from what I auditioned with. Um, but honestly, so far, it's been like one of one of my favorite projects that I've been involved with because it's it's just it's also very fun. I you know I come into the session, and the director just lets me play, and I just get to be this chaotic little strawberry crepe gremlin for a couple hours. That was a kind of an, an annoying boss fight, especially early on in the game <laughs> when you get when you get to that point when you you, know, you don't have your your um the cookies aren't aren't high enough and and it's and it's really really tough, but. Then when you get, you know, when once you level up everyone up to level 60 or whatever, it becomes easy. But but before, man, that, that boss fight, oh boy. <laughs> you know, I had to quit Cookie Run before I got to my boss fight because, um, again, um, I'll mention Annalisa again. She's my best friend. Um, she made me delete the app because I had already spent over $100 on um, in-game purchases. I think more than $100. And she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I well, I need to, I need to get the cookies. You know, I need to collect all the cookies that I want to get. I was like, really trying to get werewolf cookie because I love werewolves and wolves. Um, so unfortunately, I didn't get far enough to reach the what is it? It's not the Vanilla Kingdom, is it? I can't. Yeah, it's the Vanilla it. Kingdom. It is. Okay, yeah. yeah. I didn't get far enough to reach the Vanilla Kingdom. I got right up until some kind of like magical school there's like books that attack you oh oh the flashback <laughs> sequence yes i think so i think that's as far as i got um because i was spending too much money and she made me delete the game no oh, that's sad you would have loved um crunchy <laughs> chip cookie you know i'll just have to watch some youtube playthroughs and kind of live vicariously through the videos now you're you're the second person I've had who has admitted that they spent money on the game because I when I, rem I remember when I had someone else and they said like they spent money on it and I'm like what are you doing dude what are you doing <laughs> Yeah yeah you know and I spent I think I, I spent my my limit seems to be 100 because I also spent like 100 bucks on Genshin trying to get Albedo 
um because i was i was trying to get him on stream um and then i got him and then i like never played the game again so you know there's there's a lot of money that i've invested into these games but they've also invested money into me so you know i feel like it's it's we're kind of just passing the money around at this point but I mean, like the problem I have with um with uh, with gotcha games is that they're they're so predatory. It's like, oh, you think you're just gonna spend like a couple bucks to get to get what you want, but then you end up spending like two hundred bucks or something or five hundred, and it's like, oh boy. <laughs> that is that is why I had to delete it. Yes, indeed. And I'll happy. I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I'm um, I'm happy to admit that I got most of the characters without spending a single dime on that. So, oh, yay me! Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. Good for you. I spend, I think, at least per year, like at least a thousand dollars on Hearthstone because I love playing Hearthstone, um, and that is something I will happily spend money on. It's just one of my favorite games of all time. I have it on my phone, so we all have our vices. <laughs> Was there ever a point where you look at how much money you spent on something and you're like, oh, I have a problem. I need I need help. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, it is it is not uncommon for people with ADHD to spend money that way um, because it gives us a little hit of dopamine and it makes us happy. Um, so I've, I've kind of had my friends take over my finances and be like, you're not spending any more money on this. I'm like, it's fine. And then, yeah, you check how much money you've spent and you're like, oh, it is a problem. I probably should stop. I mean, the first hit is always free. That's how they get you. <laughs> you know, and that's that's how they get you. Um, and what are some of your favorite um, cookie run lines? So my favorite cookie run lines. Um, gosh, I know there's there's one that Strawberry Crepe says. It's very funny, but I, I don't know if I remember it. It's, uh... <laughs> well, Strawberry Crepe is very fun because they, they like to kind of bully the other cookies, but it's they're just like a little, a little kid. Um... I know for a fact that they don't say the word idiot, but that's the only thing that's coming into my mind. Like them saying, what are you, an idiot? Uh, there was recently a cutscene, and I think someone was like messing with their waffle bots, and they started really ragging on and like roasting this poor cookie. Um, and I just, I can't for the life of me remember. Uh, I just, I, the only line that I re fully remember is that they say that, <clears throat> see if I can channel it. <clears throat> the waffle bots are my friends and family. It's like the only thing I can <clears throat> remember. I like when they insult people. So we'll just say that those are my favorite lines. Anything that insults another cookie will be my favorite. Cause I, I like their, um, I'll smash you all line. That's a mm. pretty good one. There you go. That is a good one. Yeah. Yeah, they're um they kind of started off as as a villain, and now they're like uh, reluctantly uh, helping the heroes out, which I think is really cool. I've kind of always wanted to play a character with that sort of arc, um, kind of misunderstood villain turned to kind of sort of hero. Well, I mean, any any character you play that gets to insult is is a lot of fun, especially oh, yeah. you know, especially when it's a cartoon character. Then then you can just go all out and. And come up with really clever insults instead of just like swearing. <laughs> oh yeah, that was—I mean—that was the most fun um, out of the whole session. By the end of the session, my voice was like shot because it's a very you know raspy, high-pitched voice. But it was one of the most fun sessions because I just got to be mean, and then they paid me for it. I mean, it was great. You never uh, that, get to be mean and get paid for it. That must be a lot of fun because you can go in there and have like the worst day ever, but then you can just go in there and be like, "Oh, you're paying me to be mean. Awesome." <laughs> Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, uh, because most of the uh, other characters that I've played, I feel like, have been kind of nice and sweet, well, you know, Sucrose, they're very kind of submissive and, and sweet and gentle and delicate, and then you get, you know, Strawberry Crepe Cookie, and he's just like, I'm sorry, they're just like, I'm gonna smash you, and they're all, then they're, I'm gonna crush you, and you're all dumb, and all this stuff, and it's it's fun, it's fun, I like it. They remind me a lot of Dexter from Dexter's Lab, I don't know why. <laughs> Yes. No, absolutely. I completely agree with you. It's very Dexter energy. Very there's like an archetype I'm thinking of, but that that's hits it the nail on the head. Cuz I really wanted them to say like you're you're stupid. You're stupid and don't forget you're stupid. <laughs> I'll have to I'll let them know that we want that line next <laughs> and we'll see if they let me do it. Cuz 
because <laughs> I but then they'll be like oh they can't they can't call them stupid stupid is a negative term but they're like but they're the bad guy they can call them right. stupid yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll see if we can get it done <laughs> um out of all the characters you played which one would you say was the toughest toughest um I, I mean, I think, honestly, it might be between um, sucrose and uh, strawberry crepe. Crepe was, um, I think crepe session went by a bit faster. And we didn't record nearly as much um, than I did for Genshin. So even though my voice was kind of shot by the end of it, I needed some, you know, hot tea and all that stuff. I think in terms of, like keeping up the voice um and like keeping that focus and kind of powering through it i think sucrose was probably the most difficult just in terms of that uh really breathy airy voice and she's very very different from who i am as a person so dialing into that and like keeping it up for four hours i think was one of the hardest things nowadays when i hop into the booth as her it's a lot more easy because I've, you know, I've been acting for a little bit longer and all that stuff, uh, but in the beginning, it was very difficult. Yeah, I would imagine, uh, especially when, you know, you, you haven't, um, I don't want to say green, but um, when you don't have like that much experience and you're going in for something like really big, of course, it's going to take time to, to get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was, and I was kind of green. Um, that's fair to say. Um, and it's honestly just, even just through, not even just through working but through auditioning and continuing to audition more and more and more you kind of start getting the hang of it more and trying to some some days we get like max like 10 you know auditions for 10 different projects and characters and um you don't have all the time in the world to do them so you gotta hop into the booth you know dial into the character and do the audition quickly um so you can get through all of them and so i think the more you kind of practice that the easier it is for you to think about things that could link you and quickly get you into character. Um, as opposed to just reading the lines as the character, you're actually feeling, you know, the emotions and feeling the sentence as, you know, the character would say it. So I'm not just like Val saying the sign of sucrose. I feel like I am sucrose. This is what I would say. So I'm saying it as her. I don't know if that is a little convoluted or makes any sense, but just sort of dialing into characters gets a lot easier the more you audition and the more you work on it. And how do you find the humanity in a lot of these characters? Honestly, it's it's very easy. Um, I'm I'm very I'm a very naturally empathetic person. So you know, I've, whenever any of my friends are feeling something, I usually feel it like three times uh, as much. And I'm like, oh oh, let me help. Um, so, and I think I think also um, I've moved a lot in my lifetime, so I've I don't have any childhood best friends uh the longest i've ever lived in a place i think has been four years so very quickly i had to learn how to make uh, new friends quickly because i've been through i want to say like over 10 different schools um not even just like even sometimes in the middle of, of a of a school year even um so i'd be the new kid you know and, and everyone else would already have all these friends that kind of came over from the previous years. So I very quickly had to learn uh, how to make new friends. I was still the weird kid. They still didn't love me, but at least I knew how to make them quickly or, you know, connect with them. Um, so I think, I think definitely that helped um, as well as being empathetic. So for people like strawberry or for cookies, like strawberry grape, um, I, you kind of have to, you know, dig into the subtext because playing a villain isn't you know being evil because they don't think they're evil and they don't think they're doing anything wrong so kind of get into that mindset of like why are they doing this and and what's their justification so for me strawberry crepe was just like a lonely cookie um that was kind of abandoned and their only friends were these robots and then suddenly um a much older wiser cookie found them which was dark enchantress cookie and offered them kind of like support and gave them attention and all that stuff and eventually they kind of defected and they joined the heroes but for me that was like oh well they're doing this because 
uh, everyone else has kind of abandoned them, and this person has shown them mercy, and and they're just a vulnerable, kind of hurt little kid is what what I felt it was like, and so that's kind of how I played it. Um, and you know sometimes these things won't come through because the lines will be silly, like I'm gonna smash you all, or it's like a cookie. Um, but I think it's really important to find that no matter what you're playing, even if you're playing a little cookie or Ellie from The Last of Us. Um, so I just kind of find that little nugget of truth, and oftentimes I'll find something that I relate to. I'm like, oh, well, I get being the outcast, I get being like the weird kid. Um, I know what it's like to be angry and sad and hurt, and so you kind of just channel that and make that kind of your truth of like, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel these emotions and connect to them and like port that out through whatever voice you're doing for the character. And for, for Sucrose, it was kind of a similar thing where I'm not, you know, some super genius who does alchemical things. Um, but I did used to be super shy. I did used to be super soft-spoken um, and nervous and not great at looking and talking to people. So I channeled that for Sucrose. Um, or if you really can't connect to the character, what is something you understand? Um, so for Sucrose, I understand what it's like to be nervous, kind of, for example. And then you kind of just channel that little nugget of truth. So um, I would say it's not... At least for me, it hasn't been very difficult to find at least one thing I can connect to with every character and channel that and like sit with the character and understand them and be like, oh, this is how they would feel and go through with that. And does it feel weird listening to yourself and stuff? It did at first. Um, I think when I first booted up Genshin, because I downloaded it because I was so excited to hear my voice in a video game, it was really weird. Um, I was because to me, to me, it sounds like me doing a high pitched voice. I'm like, this is weird. But then, you know, everyone else is like, oh, you know, she's super cute. And I love the voice you did. And I'm like, oh, OK. So I I kind of know what I'm doing. Um, but it was, it was definitely strange at first. Nowadays, I'm, I'm a lot more used to it. Uh, but it's it's bizarre when you first hear it. Or if you're um, I do commercial work as well. Uh, one time I was at the AMC. Uh, before they even began playing the um, the trailers, and they played one of my Coca Cola ads, and I was like, there was like a weird dissonance of my brain recognized the voice, but they couldn't place where it was, and then it clicks, and you're like, that's me. Um, now I'm very I'm very much used to it, but back then it was definitely super weird, um, and sometimes it is still super weird, especially if it's been a long time since I recorded for it and I did a really different voice, then I'm like, whoa, who is that? It kind of takes me a second to realize. That's me being the corporate chill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I need to pay rent. I need to put food on my plate. Are you kidding me? One of the biggest roles uh, that you've gotten recently is um, Laguna Blue and, on Monster High on the reboot. And, um, yes, indeed. And I'm kind of wondering, like, how did that come about? And were you familiar with the franchise before you uh, got involved in that? Yes. Um... So this time for the audition, they did say, this is for Monster High. Um, and I was familiar with the franchise in terms of, like, I knew what it was. I had heard of it. I grew up seeing, uh, the like, the dolls in stores, and I grew up seeing all the merchandise everywhere. Um, I never got into it. Uh, I was more of, like, a Teen Titans, Ben 10 kind of fan. Um... So I never really got into it, but I was aware of the franchise. So I, w I did know that I was like, oh, this is a big deal. Um, sorry, what was, your, what was your other question? Now, were you familiar with the franchise? And um, yeah, what were you familiar with it when you, when you went into it? Yeah, so basically, yeah, I, I, I did know that it was, a, it was like a big deal uh, way back when. And <laughs> it's kind of funny you mentioned Critical Role because... Um, uh, Laguna Blue's first voice actress was, you know, oh, Laura yeah. Bailey, oh, and then yeah. it went to my friend uh, Larissa Gallagher, and now it's oh. you. So, <laughs> hi gals. Um, yeah, I was aware. I was aware that it was uh, Laura Bailey at first. I didn't know that she had a second voice actress, and now I'm I'm the third. Um, which yeah, uh, it's it's very it's very bizarre. Because obviously, when I entered this industry, I saw, you know, a, like super mega looked up to Laura Bailey. And I was like, she's so cool and she's awesome and she's in, you know, critical role. And 
I I wish to you know have five percent of the you know success and like cool roles that she's had and then I booked this and then I looked up I looked up the voice actor a while after I had booked it the original voice actor I was like Laura Bailey some big shoes to fill but um hopefully hopefully I fill them well she's she's very different um what I can say is that uh she's now Latina which I am and um she's from these underwater ruins I think I think they specified that the ruins are somewhere like around the Yucatan Peninsula which is where I was born so I think it's like and it that's a coincidence you know they didn't they didn't change that because I got cast as the character um it was just a coincidence that this new version of Laguna and I are from pretty much the same exact place which I think is really cool um because it's like kind of perfect casting right there for this new wave um but yeah yeah, it's definitely definitely scary to to take over. I mean, you're not the first person to you know take over the role. I remember when um, I had Larissa on years ago, and she mm-hmm. t- she talked about Monster High. She's like, you know, I'm you know the second person doing this character, and Laura Laura Bailey, and she's you know a legend, and and you just worry like, are people going to like me or hate me? Because Laura is is Laura, and she's very respected and very talented, and yeah obviously but it's 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 gonna be weird for me watching this because um you know i i actually like larissa's take because i think larissa's really talented and um Mm -hmm. you know i i feel like she needs more roles honestly and i'm not saying this because she's one of my best friends but i think she's really talented and 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 i get it like you know sometimes you know when you do a reboot you got to get you know new people in and that's fine but at the same time it's like but I kind of like some of the old cast. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, new uh, new generation for a for a new generation of kids. Um, I um, I love my cast. We've been we've been working on this for over a year, and um, we're like incredibly diverse. One thing I will say about the old the OG OG cast is it was all white women, um, which is fine for the time. Um, but I think it's about time that we that we got some we got some color up in there, and. Um, and my whole cast is they're just super sweet and nice you know good people and um you know we we worked hard on it and we we were we were waiting for that backlash because we knew it was going to come and it did come um and it sucked uh i understand like and you know you're you're a fan of your friend's work and obviously you know a lot of them wish they could have reprised the role uh but a lot of that kind of vitriol just amounted and we got a lot of DMs uh, with some quite quite explicit language. Um, I remember uh, my castmate Courtney and I. We both got uh, death threats, um, which is, you know, it's crazy. It's a sh- it's a doll show. I don't think we need to, you know, be threatening people's lives or you know calling calling them names. They called her some really nasty names. Um, so while I can understand, you know, someone's kind of like hold up because they like a previous castmate or they don't want their you know beloved characters to change i do think it doesn't warrant any of that very aimed and pointed negativity especially at the actors who we didn't you know we didn't decide to change the characters we didn't have any any say in the characters we just auditioned for a cool project and we got lucky enough to be cast in it um so i definitely think that there is is a balance we can strike here because at the end of the day it's a show for kids and it's gonna be for that uh demographic for them to enjoy uh so as long as they're happy and they're cool with it i think maybe we can all just take a breath and stop coming to my dms and yelling at me i don't know why people do that and you know you mentioned courtney i, I mean i had her on you know a year ago and i said this a year ago like i was impressed by her work you know from cookie run and I said, like, she's going to be the next one of the next big breakout stars. And I was right, because like, oh, she booked Draculaura. Like, oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah, she's and, awesome. Yeah, no, she's great. And um, and I don't know why people do that. Like, again, I, you know, it's weird to me. Like, I understand the direction they're going in. It's it's a totally new cast. It's a, it's a reboot, yada, yada, yada. But like, don't send the, 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 the new actors hate over it. It's fine, you know? Like, while I'm sad, you know, Larissa isn't reprising her role, like, she got Fine in, in um, 
vampire in the garden and i love that show and i'm happy for her and i will always support her work so mm -hmm. it's fine <laughs> yeah and i mean it's it's the nature of the industry i think it, i think there's a, a big difference between like uh, for example kind of poaching a legacy role like for example um if a character if, if a person has been voicing a character for for years on end and they've been like the only voice actor for that character and then suddenly they're getting replaced um I think that's a bigger issue and usually it's like overpay because they don't want they want to do non-union instead of sag or that kind of thing um but it it's the nature of the industry when there's you know a role that has multiple voice actors it's kind of just kind of keep cycling and i'm sure in some years uh, i might even get replaced and there they'll change laguna again and um i my personal opinion is that there are always going to be enough roles to go around you know, this isn't the only cartoon that's ever going to exist. Um, we get, like I said, we get like hundreds of auditions every month um, for new, massive, you know, incredible video games, new cartoon shows, um, all sorts of things. So I'm definitely of the mind of like, there's enough work to go around. We can all take it easy. And and like I said, and like you're saying, um, it's, there's really no reason to come in our DMs and, and tell us these things because we can't do anything about it. If I go up to the CEO of, you know, Nick, and I'm like, the fans don't like this, you have to change it. They're going to be like, shut up, sit down. Who are you? Um, so when they leave the hate and all their opinions on the Nickelodeon and the Monster High accounts, I'm like, okay, fine. You're sending it directly at the company. That's fine. But when they send it at us, I'm like, we didn't do anything. We just auditioned for a role. And then we got the role. And we that, that's our job. We auditioned for something. We get it. We're very lucky. We're grateful. On to the next thing. There's, you know, we didn't, like, sit at our computers and go, haha, I'm going to change everything and make them all angry. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it must be cool being a part of a show that I'm assuming is going to have toys, right? Like, they have to have toys for this, right? <laughs> yes. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know how much I can say. Um, I saw some images that got leaked of maybe my doll. Um, definitely exciting. I'm I'm a big nerd, and I have. If I showed you my room, it's littered with like toys and dolls and statues and books and stuff. And um, that was like one of my big goals was to be in a project that has some form of merch. Um, so, again, my friends look out for my finances mostly, Annalisa. She said, you're not buying all the dolls. And I said, why not? Um, so apparently I'm only allowed to buy the Laguna doll. And um, she's not letting me buy all the other dolls because, it, you know what? I don't have a lot of space in my room anymore. And I should really be watching my bank account. But to answer your question, yes, it's very cool. What was the most expensive thing you've bought? In general or like? In general. Nerdy... Oh, in general. I mean, my car, um, <laughs> but if you're talking about like, you know, kind of collectible stuff, um, probably either my Oculus, Oculus Rift, I think, um, or, 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 I got the, uh, like, special deluxe edition of The Last of Us 2. It has, like, an Ellie statue, and it came with, like, a bunch of pins uh, on it. I also back quite a few Kickstarters for Dungeons and Dragons because I love Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so I think there was a Kickstarter Kickstarter I backed that was pretty expensive. So I'll say my Oculus, The Last of Us Two, big collector edition, and a D and D Kickstarter. Oh, it's funny you mentioned The Last of Us because I know some of my friends worked who worked on who did like the additional voices and um, they got that for free. So there you go. Rats. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the next goal, to be part of, like, a video game where they'll send me the thing for free, because I think someone someone was in Elden Ring, or, you know, all the voice actors that were in Elden Ring, they got sent the sword, and it's so cool! I'm a huge gamer. I love Elden Ring. So my next goal is, like, be in a video game where they send you the sword or the cape or the cloak or whatever it is, but that's what I want. Uh, what are some of your favorite games that have come out in the last uh, couple of years? Um, I'm going to be basic and say the first one that pops into my mind, Skyrim, uh, top of my list. It's, it's still a banger, even with all the glitches and the horses floating into the sky and all that stuff. 
Um, I still play it. Um, I'm a big, big fantasy nerd, so I love Skyrim. I really got into Elden Ring. I thought I wouldn't, um, because I, for some reason I always underestimate underestimate um, how much of like a gamer I am, and I'm like, I'm not that good. Um, so I thought it would be too difficult for me. Uh, but so far I'm doing well. I'm almost at the end of the game. Um, so that's been really fun. Like, really just have hyper-focused until like 5 in the morning. Like, the sun starts coming up, and I'm like, ah, it's time to put the game down. Um, so Elden Ring, Skyrim... I used to love Little Big Planet 2. That's an old game, but I'm gonna name it because it's one of my favorites. Uh, I love Dead Space. I love uh, the Bioshock franchise. I'm trying to think of recent games. These are all like really classic. Uh, what did I just play? I feel like I just played. I used to be really into Overwatch. I stopped playing it the last couple years, and I can't. I can't think of anything else. But I ho have a whole like. Uh, bookcase full of video games so i'm sure if i pull those up i'll remember but for now that's oh uh, i played through um the new legend of zelda breath of the wild i really like that one on on the switch uh does it feel weird playing that game especially considering like people compare that to genshin a lot um i played it before i got cast in genshin before i uh, before genshin came out um it was weird to play genshin after playing breath of the wild because i was like Oh, it is. It is similar. It's very similar. I don't want to get in trouble. That's all I'll say. <laughs> no, it's it's funny you mentioned like a lot of these games. I'm like, oh yeah, these game. A lot of these games came out in like 2006, 2007. Oh god, I'm old. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, those are like those are my classic games. Um, which is you know that makes me very young because I think everyone else's classic games are like you know, uh, Link's Awakening. You know, like little NES type games um yeah i mean i like a lot of those classic games they're solid uh like the first nazi zombies solid <laughs> no, it's funny you mentioned skyrim because i'm like all i remember from that game is just me wasting time building like iron daggers for like an hour and a half <laughs> okay so we had a very different play experience but yours is still valid um, yeah, to be fair, I, I explored a lot, so, you know, it's not like I got a lot of quests done. Nowadays, I, like, go retroactively through all those quests I didn't do, but in the beginning I just, like, roamed around, and then I would discover a city and be like, oh, cool! Just kind of walk around. No, one of my favorite things to do in, in Skyrim was when I get, when I got, like, some, some loot, or some, you know, weapons, and I got really bored, and I'm like, you know what? Let's just kill everybody. Let's just start murdering everybody. That is the eventual, um, like, explorer to murderer pipeline in Skyrim, is that you start off, like, exploring this beautiful, forested, grassy land, and then you get far enough and you're like, why not? You make a new save file, and then you murder everyone, and then you can just go back to it. I've definitely done that. We're all guilty of that. That's the best, uh, especially like in Fallout. I remember my first playthrough of Fallout 4 was just me running around murdering everybody. Yeah, yeah. Fallout is, um, for some reason, I was even more careful not to do that in Fallout because everyone had guns. So it wasn't just the guard chasing you down with a sword. It was like someone pulls out a bazooka and you're like, fuck. Um, but yeah, Fallout. Oh, that's another one. Very fun. I love Fallout. Um, I, I can't believe like Fallout 4 is like how many years old now seven years old Ugh. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. i still feel like skyrim came out like yesterday and then i'm like i look back and i was definitely a, ch a small child when it came out <laughs> i keep forgetting like you know a lot of these games people grew up with a lot of these games when i like i was like in my 20s when these a lot of these games came out and i, I keep forgetting oh yeah a lot of kids grew up with these games and and then and um they're their childhood and i'm like that's weird yeah. to me <laughs> yeah that was it was my childhood i'm very i'm still very young so <laughs> that was skyrim was my childhood well i i will say i, I don't want to make you feel too old um monsters inc on the ps1 that was my childhood or might have been ps2 i can't remember but we did we had we had all the generations of the playstation Okay, which which generation was your favorite? Probably three. I mean, I'm definitely liking four a lot more now, um, because of all these awesome new games coming out. 
but three was just freaking solid. I mean, like I said, Little Big Planet two, Dead Space, fantastic game. Um, I think Skyrim came out on the on the PS three. Uh, so like I was playing through that. Uh, one of my favorite Mortal Kombat's was on the PS three. Uh, some of the best Call of Duty games came out on the PS three. Uh, I think I think Modern Warfare was it was either Modern Warfare was it one or two that came out on the PS three, but that one was solid too. Um, Black Ops, and we got to experience all of those cool new zombie maps. Uh, I think in Black Ops, and I had I had did I have Tekken three or four? I had one of the Tekkens on the PS three. I had my biggest library of games. I think was on the PS three, and now it's I think now I'm catching up to what I had before. But um, it was just a solid era of gaming. Um, so I think I think I'll say three. No, it's funny because I, I I'm a huge you know PlayStation fan, and I and I was like one of the few people who was like, you know what, guys, you know the PlayStation three ain't that bad. But everyone was like, ah, what are you talking about? PlayStation three is terrible and what have you. I'm like, no, ah, no, it's no. it's fine. <laughs> I think well the last the last of us came out on the three. Some of the best games of our era came out on the three. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Nolan North's career, you know, he should be thankful for that console because that that was yeah. that made his career. <laughs> yep, there was yep, Uncharted and all these like Naughty Dog games. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but but I love three and and yeah, I think four is probably like one is is probably like one of my favorite consoles of of any era. I I because mm -hmm. I've played a lot of games on that and mm -hmm. I just and I just love it because I, I have so many memories and I know like everyone has, has moved on to five but I'm like I'm I'm poor okay I don't have yeah. money to, no to... I'm, I'm right there with you <laughs> I have not pulled the trigger on the five and also because I feel like there aren't enough new games I know there's this uh what is it um backwards compatib uh, compatibility but um I don't know why I don't trust it um I'm gonna wait I'm gonna wait I think another one or two years if there's like a bigger roster of games but for now it's like don't if it ain't broke don't fix it we got a great solid console it can still play all these new games that are coming out um and you don't have to spend any extra money i'm still surprised at how good last of us 2 looks especially considering on you know playstation 4. Mm -hmm. like I, I was surprised at how like i remember when i booted that up on launch day and i'm like holy crap i had no idea that ps4 was this capable of I'm saying it's still a solid console. It can still it can still handle that those chunky you know great graphics. Uh, so I'm not I'm not super sold on the five yet. And it's also like you know like you're saying super expensive. Good luck finding one without selling your soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're making them more expensive now. Um, I think Sony just released an announcement that they're gonna raise the prices again. It's like becoming like the rich man's console. <laughs> do you do you find that like? There, there will ever come a point where everything's just going to become too expensive and we're just not going to be able to afford anything? Um, I hope not. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I live in L.A. Rent is super expensive. Um, if that happens, I'll just move somewhere super cheap and live off the land. <laughs> um, but I hope that I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, I, think, I think the reason the PS5 is so expensive right now is because I think we're still having a shortage of I think it was like a type of memory chip or, or some piece of hardware um, that is that we're having a short of, uh, shortage of right now, which is why there's so few of them and, and why they're so expensive. Um, so, I you know what? I, I don't know where the world is headed, but uh, I hope it stops going downwards. I, I don't... I think the best advice I've ever gotten this year, and, you know, real talk here... Um, I, I said I said to someone I'm I don't know I don't understand the world anymore and they just said don't don't try to understand it anymore just just don't and I'm like yeah that's the best advice I've ever gotten <laughs> yeah I mean as, as someone who grew up uh I grew up with all this tech you know tech stuff um I just and and I'm I consider myself like what they call it I think chronically online now I just I just logged out on my Twitter account because I can't take it anymore um you know as someone who grew up in that era and is i think technically gen z you know all these kids that grew up with tech and, and we grew up kind of on the internet it's just it's advancing so quickly and there's all these new like terms and all these new things and i sound like one of those old fogies but it's i think that's really solid advice is just stop 
trying. Just stop trying and you're going to have a happier life. No, I, that's why I, I, I don't, I'm not as active on Twitter anymore. I'm just like, I don't, it's, it's not making me happy anymore. And, I, and, yeah. and, and, and I really hate the, I, I hate the fact that I, that I not only do this podcast, but I have to promote it. So I was like, oh, I gotta be on social media to promote this, but sometimes it's like, okay, you know, here's, here's the thing I did. Okay. Bye. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. talk to anyone anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the unfortunate thing about my career is that we, we have to. Um, to not only to announce the roles you're doing, but if you want to get into like any conventions, you gotta like interact with the fans and and keep hype up. And um, and a lot of the times, the more followers you have, the more interested they are in you, or the more they'll be like, oh, this person's gonna attract this number of people to the convention. Um, to keep, because I started Twitch streaming, to keep those numbers up, I have to you know be be consistently like online. So it's it's a lot harder to disconnect when you have to for you know to promote your thing or for your career um so i'm I'm just gonna i'm trying to do it as much as i can while still maintaining it's it's a difficult balance um because on you know on when you're online everyone can scream their opinion at you and there's like no filter of having to walk up to you to say it or you know not being near you you just get to hear everyone's opinions all at once um, and you get all, you know, all the bad news in the world right there on your feed. Whereas, you know, way back when, you would only get maybe your local news or some some big event that happened in another country. But now it's like every bad thing ever. It's horribly screamed at you. It, that's all happening all at once everywhere. Um, and it's it's a lot. I don't think I think uh, Annalisa and I were talking about this. I call them fish. I'm gonna say fish. Fish and I were talking about this, and. Um, I don't think the human brain was meant to take in all that bad news all at once. Because uh, you open your phone, you get on Twitter, and it's like, death, destruction, chaos. And then 100 of the worst opinions you've ever seen in your life. And so now I log off. Uh, I think, you know, it's better to not try to understand it and enjoy the, the world, go out for a walk, something. Go out, try to try to try to enjoy everything, and hope that nothing tries to kill you. Because everything nowadays seems to try to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Even even doll fans are trying to kill me. So just try try to uh, don't worry, be happy. That's what my dad used to say, and I try to kind of embody that. Um, if something really stressful is happening, my friends are freaking out. I'm like, it's fine, guys. It's okay. Just, just relax. It's fine. You mentioned that you're um, huge into D and D, and I'm just wondering because I because I know that you're you're also a DM, and mm -hmm. I'm just wondering like, what was the longest game? What was the longest campaign that you've ever DM'd? My friend, I am still in it. Um, I started a campaign. Shoot, when did we start? I want to say it was before COVID because we were we were playing in person, and then we had to switch to Zoom. When did COVID start? 2020? Yep, 2020. <laughs> so, rip. Um, so we started in 2019. Um, I think later on in 2019. And we're still playing. Um, every Friday. So that is currently my longest campaign. I think my last longest campaign um, was only like a year or two years. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're in it right now. And it's a... Uh, We've actually cycled through quite a bit of characters. I have uh, two players that are like my OG players who are, who've been there through all of it. And now we we have a new player who was in my very first campaign. She didn't play the second campaign for a while, and now she's joined the second campaign. Um, and then we kind of have a revolving cast of characters. I invite a lot of uh, fellow voice actors to play. I invite... Sometimes a random person I've met at a coffee shop because I'm a nerd. I'm like, do you like D&D? Do you want to do you come play? Because um, it's how I connect with people. Um, so we'll have actors and non-actors and randos and friends. Um, but yeah, that, that campaign is still going. And it's kind of like it takes place uh, 3,000 years after my first campaign. So it's like sci-fi fantasy. So it's been really fun. And um, I think because it's like sci-fi fantasy, um, people have been able to connect to it a little bit more because you know sci-fi fans and fantasy fans can both have fun plus you can get away with the whole uh random bullshit go <laughs> yeah a lot more yeah and there's there's uh quote laser sabers because i don't 
I don't know if I can use the other word, um, in my game, and some laser guns, and that's always fun. Oh, it's like Meg Megatron sword in like the um, 1986 uh, Transformers movie. It's not a lightsaber. It's a light sword. Okay, it's totally different. <laughs> oh yeah. But how how do you, does does it feel overwhelming? Like being a part of like a really long campaign and keeping up with like so many people. Um, I mean, we don't have a massive uh, group. The mainstay group right now is uh, Annalisa Fisher, um, Elise Fosmark, she's an on-camera actress, and Laura Chin, who's a, she cuts trailers, She so she's also kind of in the industry. Um, so they've kind of been the mainstay gals. Uh, and then we have our guests that come in. Uh, we used to have Connor Fogarty, he's a fellow voice actor, um, but he's like me, where he needs kind of to be there physically to kind of tune in a bit more. So he, he dropped out a while back. Um, it's... It's not difficult so long as you prep. If I, like, jump into a session, like, actually, I have a session today. We play every Friday. Um, if I were to jump into tonight's session with no prep, I definitely feel very frazzled, very out of sorts. I don't know what to do. Sometimes I have to improvise what I'm doing. And I've, I've done a lot of sessions like that where I'll go into it, like, quote, raw. Um, just, like, no prep, no nothing. I'm just pulling everything out of my butt. Um, improvising everything, excuse me, um, but, uh, recently I've been prepping before sessions and it, and it makes it easier. It's, and, and it, and it is easy when you do that. I think, especially when you've been a DM, um, I'm not going to say for as long as I have, cause I haven't been playing since the eighties or anything. Um, but to me, it feels like a long time. Um, it's, you kind of, you kind of get the groove of it and you learn that if you over prep and your players mess with that, it's a bust. So there's a sweet spot you hit, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, who was the most uh, fun guest star you've had? Fun guest? Most fun guest we had? Hmm. You know, uh, I kind of, I've liked a lot of them. Um, sometimes the most fun guests are people who aren't in the industry at all, like who aren't actors. Because um, they do the craziest, am I allowed to cuss? Oh, you can oh. say whatever you want. <laughs> Okay, great. Um, they do the craziest shit. Um, we had, so uh, I had a guy who played my first campaign, and he has a girlfriend, and his girlfriend played in our second campaign as a guest, um, and she was super fucking fun. She was a little fuzzy blue creature. I can't remember if it even had a race that was in the D&D &D manual, um, but they just, they do the craziest shit because they don't have, I think a problem that actors have when they... Uh, play D, D is that they have this idea in their heads of like i need to perform or i need to when i'm having this emotional scene i need to be a good actor or i need to be serious or you know xyz or sometimes overperform where it's like i need all the attention uh and i think what's great about non-actors is that they go in and they're like here's blurgus and he's blue and that's all you need to know and they just go in just to have fun they don't they don't give a shit about attention. They don't care about, you know, being cool or being good at acting or, or performing. Um, and they end up doing the weirdest shit, and it's very fun. So I think I think uh, any non-actor guest I've had was probably some of my favorites. Because it's just improv. It's it's just making up mm -hmm. a story as you go along. That's all it is. It's it's not... Yep. I don't know why we have to overthink th things. I don't know why we have to be like, oh, we gotta, we gotta dissect everything, and we gotta, like deconstruct all these things and i'm just like it's it's D, &D guys if you're not having fun why are you doing it yeah and I, I mean that's something i tell my players if i'm like we like to play sometimes a more grounded game a more kind of cinematic game but i'm like if it's ever not fun i'm not here to you know create a movie with you guys i'm here to give you a distraction on friday nights and make sure you're having fun i'm like i don't care if you're the worst actor in the world or the best actor in the world I'm j the you know there's no reason there's no point in me putting in all this effort running all these games every Friday if it's if the players aren't enjoying them or having fun or doing exactly what they want to do. Yeah, totally agree. Um, la last thing I want to talk about is um, I know that you're a big werewolf enthusiast, so I'm kind of <laughs> wondering now. Let's let's get the hot takes rolling. Um, all right. Best, best werewolf movie. Let's go. Um. Here's the issue. I haven't watched the original Wolfman, but I have heard it's not great. Um, I really like 
just in terms of like transformations and i think it looks cool the wolfman i think from 2010 with um del toro, Benicio del toro. Mm-hmm. um the, i watched it again because i i did a failed um horror movie podcast and we watched it for an episode and i was like mm, it doesn't super hold up it's a little boring but there's just this scene, and I'm, I'm not sure because you, you mentioned his name, you probably know of it. There's a scene where he is in the examination room, and he's strapped to a chair, and he's like, I'm going to kill all of you! And they're all laughing at him, and then he starts transforming, and he starts breaking the binds, and he murders everyone. It's one of my favorite scenes in all of cinema. Um, I think, in general, it's not a great film, it's not incredibly written, but as a werewolf film, I love all the transformations, I love all the action scenes. Um, Someone's very near and dear to my heart. Um, what other what are werewolf movies? You know, I never got through An American Werewolf in London, because I started watching it when I was a kid. And that's not a movie for kids to watch, it's very gory. Um, I think after the brother, spoiler alert, after the brother gets mauled, in like one of the first scenes, he shows up in the hospital next to his brother, his other brother, um, and his like face is like gashed through. Um, he's got like a horrible, horrible like gashed face. And I think that's where I was like, nope, nope, and I exited out of there. Um, so, truth be told, I still need to watch that one, but I have watched the transformation sequence, and I will say that's one of the best werewolf transformation sequences of all time because it was. It's, I think it's a 90s movie, right? Or, or I'm not 80s. 80s. 80s, yeah. The effects are fucking insane. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's mostly, or if not all, practical. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how they fucking did that, but it was, and the acting is stellar. It's just, it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. Um, so I think it's one of the best werewolf transformation sequences ever. Um, there is a werewolf scene in Cabin in the Woods. Um, I haven't watched Teen Wolf yet, the movie. Um, I have also heard it's not great. Uh, but I have watched the show, because my friends got me into the show. The show's okay. Um, I wish they were a little bit more wolfy, you know, kind of with the snout coming out and all that stuff. Um, oh, shoot, Wolf Cop 2. Um, I recently showed that to some friends. It's, it's like a B-horror movie, but Kevin Smith is in it for some reason. And um, it's really messed up, like super 18 and up, um, but it's hilarious. And I saw it at a horror movie um, festival in Florida and it was it was just great fun. And I love the prosthetics, really great prosthetics for this kind of B movie. Um, so Wolf Cop 2 is great. I haven't watched the first one. They just they were screening the second one and I was like, sure, I'll go watch that. Um, yeah, I'm not my mind is blanking, but but those are the ones I can think of. Have you seen The Howling? I have not. And I still need to see Ginger Snaps as well. What's The uh, Howling? Oh, boy. Because <laughs> uh, my, my hot take is like, uh, Ginger Snaps is okay. Like, I know a lot really? of people love that movie, but for me, it's okay. I understand what it was doing, and it's and it's a competent, competently made film, but... Mm-hmm. Eh. <laughs> okay, all right, that's your hot take. I'll see, you know, I'll, I'll hit you back up and be like, it was great, or, you know, I agree with you. And I will say this, I know a lot of people love dog soldiers, but like the first, like, honestly, like the first half of that movie is just, pff, ugh. It, is, it wasn't until like they get to the cabin, then it becomes really good. But the first half is of that, that movie, I just, I just don't care think, for it. Is that the, no, I think that's American Werewolf in London. I see this, these uh, little dolls of like a werewolf in an army helmet. That's probably. Oh, that was the, that was um, the nightmare sequence in American Werewolf in London. Gotcha. Okay, because they um, I frequently go to Universal City Walk, and they have a, uh, they have like the all the dolls for all the characters there. Yeah, Dog Soldiers is the one where um, military guys end up getting stuck in a cabin, and they have to fight off werewolves in Scotland. Oh, Scotland. Sounds fun. <laughs> Pretty cool practical effects. Like the the suits look amazing, and you know, okay. like I said, like when they get to the cabin and the action sequences start, it's great. But first half is pretty rough. Um, you know what? I think when it's something's like when when projects have practical, it kind of elevates it just like ten percent. So if it has really good practical effects, I'll, I can probably stomach it. 
No, I mean the the, the effects are good, and, I, and I, look, I I I always have a soft spot for a guy in a, in a werewolf suit. It's I don't know why that looks great to me, but it does because again, it's 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 a real person. It's there. It's not CGI. It's yeah. not absolutely. It's not Van Helsing. <laughs> I agree with you, one hundred percent. I love I love practical effects. It's it just it's tangible. It's like you watch the original Jurassic Park, and it's ten times scarier because it's tangible. You can see that the big ass dinosaur head is there, and um, and I'm sure it was horrifying to film with as well. Oh, I can't! I can't watch that movie anymore after I talked to um, Karina Betker and and hearing their story about them getting kicked out from that movie because they were just complaining about the the dinosaur accuracy, and they were oh, like, you know, out? they got kicked out from the movie because they were ki- they were a little kid, they were watching it. Oh, and, the movie theater. Yeah, yeah, they got kicked out from the theater, and <laughs> that's all I can think about now. Just them complaining about the dinosaur accuracy, and, and their parents are like, "Karina, calm down." <laughs> it's 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 fake dinosaurs. That's fine. Just enjoy they, the scaly boys. Because they love dinosaurs. Let me tell you. <laughs> I believe you. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, we, we've rambled on long enough, and I don't want to keep you on longer than you should be on, but um. Before we get going, um, can you give us an update on what you're currently working on and where can people find you online? Sure thing. Um, what am I currently working on that I can announce? Oh, shoot. I forgot to make this announcement. Um, I'll probably make it uh, right after this uh, interview. I am in a cute little doll show called Mermaids, um, and it's about mermaids. And I play, I think her name is Mora, and she is... I think I can say that she's the kind of like villain type of the show. The antagonist. We'll say that she's the antagonist of the show for now. Um, so that's that's what I've been working on. So that's pretty cool. Um, I have a video game I will be able to announce in like a month. But I can't right now. Um, I'm working on a lot of cool projects. We'll say that. And uh, I'll be able to announce a lot of them pretty soon. So that's very exciting. And I'm very, super freaking grateful every day that I get to do this as my career. It's a dream come true. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, Instagram is Valeria Rodriguez VO. Uh, Twitter is Elvis Badger. And YouTube is Valeria the Wolf. And Twitch is Valeria the Werewolf. Um, so that's a lot of mouthfuls right there. But uh, that is where you can find me. And I'm working on a lot of cool video games, cartoons, and really big commercial stuff. So hopefully when that comes out, we can all celebrate. I don't know. Don't celebrate me. I'll just celebrate <laughs> myself. Then, then more people can send you more hate online about, about yeah! that stuff. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've seen, at this point, I've seen all the negative comments that now, um, I recently watched something and there were more negative comments and I didn't feel anything and it felt great. Not like I was numb, but like, I was like, oh, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> um, cause if, if the creator of the project cast you and they like you, it's like too bad. So sad. I'm the voice. <laughs> Get over it. Anyway, thank you so much for taking the time off to do this. This has been a lot of fun, and we got to get you back when when all that stuff clears, and we can talk about that. Hell yeah! Well, <laughs> thank you for having me. I I love I love doing uh, interviews and and talking <laughs> at people. <laughs> thank you so questions. much. T- take care. Bye bye. All right. Likewise. <laughs>